this podcast rewrites the way that we understand the, the female pelvis and changes the story from it being a, a leaky vessel to a rich and powerful resource. But I have to say, there's also quite a bit of silliness and some giggling as well. On a serious note, though, if you have any menstrual symptoms or pelvic pain that concerns you and is unusual for you, please contact your doctor, GP or specialist to get it checked out. Hi, I'm Kate and welcome to Life and Inside Job, the podcast where we explore how to nourish our inner worlds and make them a great place to hang out so our outer lives can become more fun and meaningful and satisfying. This week, it's all about female pelvis. I have a funny chat with Jane Dancy. She's a somatic yoga coach and facilitator specialising in women's well-being, but especially the pelvis when it goes wrong, as well as exploring the good stuff like uh, pleasure and sexuality. And she shares her journey to find her own juicy inner life through practicing and teaching yoga, and the lowdown on how to heal pelvic dysfunction in a respectful and loving way. Hello, Jane. I, I really wanted to chat to you for this podcast for this pod chat because first of all because you make me laugh a lot (laughs) and also because you're very very real and the combination is is a cracking combination for me um and I'm curious to know when did it click that the your inner experience could be juicy and interesting rather than the outward kind of shape of movement of yoga well first of all thank you for inviting me onto this and it's it's i i love it when i hear that i make people laugh because i do think that the world of somatics and yoga and sort of spiritual business can can get a little bit dry and um i always (laughs) inner and outer stop it kate <clears throat> we'll talk about inner dryness later. Um, I always really appreciate it when I'm with teachers that, or, or facilitators who, who crack a joke and make me laugh. I'm sure it helps learning. Yeah. 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 So and it also helps to release the diaphragm. So actually, it does have a very, very positive inner experience. Absolutely. And then if you start smiling, well, then there goes your oxytocin. Yeah, exactly. I should fully disclose to to listening land out there that I'm actually wiping tears from my eyes because I was laughing so much we couldn't actually record anything. Yes, there is moisture in the building. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes. So inner and outer. Inner and outer. Yeah, so when did it get interesting the inside i've been teaching yoga for oof, about 15 years and i went through a very um bog standard um 
learning through the British wheel of yoga, you know, one year foundation, three year um, teacher training. It was, it was on my doorstep. It accommodated me having a newborn baby. Um, there wasn't much about the inner life, I suppose. And then I went from that to doing a lot of quite more strenuous, big yoga for mm. a, an American method of yoga that was very much about big expansion, big sensation, feeling, mm. lots of handstands and um, yeah, kind sounds of great, great. Sounds great for a postnatal body. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that 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 is. Should just should just say clearly that this typically is not that helpful for your average postnatal person to no throw yourself upside down no no but I think it really it really went into um, that feeling of like I needed to do more um, I, it needed to be bigger and it had to have greater sensation which is mm. the Western world that we live in and um, probably lent itself well to my background in. Um, studying fashion very um you know very competitive and then working in film and tv mm. so it was it was known there was something known mm. to, to me for that and um and then things started to shift and i i i began doing training with um with mark walsh of um who runs the embodiment conference and um, I went on his embodied facilitator course which is a year-long course um, of different modules and you very um, slowly go through this journey of discovery about yourself um, and it was it was that big realization of that I had just been going through the motions of yoga my own practice and teaching it without really sensing into what was what was happening for me and what my body wanted to do mm. it was very much um a dictated practice from teacher to student of like do this put your leg there that's that's how it should be and also the teacher looking at the student's body and saying this is what's going on for you and i can make it better <laughs> yeah that was an involuntary moan because um yeah that feels so bad that was how most of it was going mm. back in the day um and at, at that time also i started injuring myself constantly and the the message that um i received from from teachers higher up teachers was do it more you need to clear it you've got to go deeper wow. um and yeah my my, my body wasn't wasn't happy and i think there was a an inner rebellion starting to go on and um thank god for that i know thank god and so i started doing this embodiment stuff and we would do really simple exercises like walking around the room nothing fancy walking around the room just like normal walk not like meditation walk but just mm. how you would walk to the bus stop and, and noticing how you were in yourself mm. And then noticing how you were in relationship to the other people and little simple exercises like that were so hugely illuminating about myself my body my relationships in a way that um 10 years of yoga and a, a good few years of therapy just didn't touch on 
Um, so what, what, how did that translate into your outside life, though? So you if, say, I mean, the thing about walking, walking with awareness, how does that translate into changing relationships in the outside world? Because I, I find personally, it's, it's very easy to be terribly aware and sensitive. <laughs> and rather smug in a workshop. Stick, yeah. stick me on a bus stop and it's, you know, it's a matter of survival. <laughs> Let me shine my inner self up. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I suppose it, it it started like say if I was doing something like I was walking on the uh, doing the school run, and I would I would think right what do I need more of? Do I feel depleted? Do I feel where's my gaze going? Is it going down? And what noticing how my um, how I was physically, psychologically, emotionally within my own posture and my body bodily based sensations and then thinking okay what might be helpful and then bringing it into my walk mm -hmm. so I would walk with maybe if I wanted more purpose or I wanted spring like what does that look like not not it not being something else that I apply to myself mm -hmm. but that first thing of um noticing mm -hmm. and then giving oneself time to to think right what 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 might be useful and what would that look like mm. and how how does my body do that mm. so it's not like oh i want spring i'm gonna you know i'm gonna put that into me it's like how does my body express spring mm. or, or not and it's that thing of not being attached to outcome be you know bringing in a good old hefty dose of curiosity mm. and dare I say it compassion which mm. yeah you know is 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 a tricky one mm. how many times do we bring compassion into our stride as we're striding down the streets doing the yeah. school run or not I mean nowadays the funny thing is is I don't do it anymore and I really miss it <laughs> after years of complaining yeah how do we know what our bodies need and what you're talking about I, I just want to point out and sort of frame what you're talking about what you're talking about is actually something that's both very simple but it's also very um sophisticated sure. because it does take quite a long time to become aware of this stuff in in the workshop room or in the studio or whatever and then a lot of practice holding Absolutely. holding consciousness outside the school gate say takes a lot of practice and a lot of determination and consciousness so I would really like to kind of salute your commitment to yourself but at the same time it's at, it's quite a simple thing what do I need now and we seem yeah. to have come to a point in our cultural life and we're, we're talking in you know the south of the UK where we're very cut off as a population mm. <clears throat> we'll be even more cut off soon from Europe anyway let's not bring politics into this um if we go into Brexit it's going to be a very glum chat oh. James pulling a sad face <laughs> and how does this how does this operate with your work because you do you do fantastic work with the pelvis mm. 
with the female pelvis. Yes, um, and yeah, that's that's a, a, a great um, example of of my own journey with this. Is that I started, I became interested in the pelvis because I did. Um, I used to teach postnatal mother and baby yoga. Mm. Um, I studied with Uma Dinsmore Tooley, and there's a lot about the female pelvis. Mm. Um, from quite a physical perspective you know because there is a huge physical um calling of the pelvis with with birth so that's the pre predominant um lens mm. i would say that i looked at it at that point myself mm. um and then it's through my own journey really is that when i started entering perimenopause um i started experiencing things in my pelvis with the, the muscles that that reflected a little bit of postnatal stuff of like, you know, that whole thing of like what 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 can revisit you in your perimenopausal years. Yeah. And so I started looking at the pelvis again. Can we can we just say that really explicitly that the the, the stuff that happens postnatally mm. and kind of tail off and you might not be aware of it until perimenopause and then it comes back yeah. often speaking quite loudly yes so my experience that's that's, that's not something that is, people generally know about they think it's no no i think it's done with <laughs> i've done five kegels yes oh i'm peeing my pants that's again. it i'm finished well i i, I thought i uh, had a process um so wow. i I had a, a, a bit of a freak out mm -hmm. and um, a bit, I f well freaked out, you know, <laughs> it's, it's quite, you know, the, the word prolapse, the fact that most women don't know much about the insides of their pelvis and we might not even know much about what is a prolapse, you know, what's the cystocele, what's the rectocele prolapse, all these words that are medical words and the fact that we're dealing with something that is very, very unknown, mm. um, which can add a lot of more fear. And, and it's connected to a very, a very powerful part of our body that um, already has the potential for um, a connection with shame, a connection with trauma. So it's, um, it's not just a physical freak out there's so many different layers to that so I started doing my research because I love a bit of research um and and I started because I was doing the embodiment as well I started joining the dots up of and um of realizing that it wasn't there was so much more than just the physical layer because I was really aware of of my own patterns with my own relationship to my sensuality, sexuality. I was exploring, starting to explore Tantra and, um, and yeah, making, joining up the dots between the physical, the psychological, the emotional and the spiritual perspectives of pelvic health. And that one, it is useful. It's so useful to look through all of them. Mm. And so the first, so I started, um, I did a, a, a course uh, in person in my local town on pelvic health, pelvic floor health. And, um, and I started dropping in seeds of, 
of other bits. As I started to explore it, I, I was reading um, The Wild Feminine by Tammy Lynn Kent, um, Naomi Wolf's book, The Vagina. And I just, I, I just couldn't get enough of, of reading about this um, mm. immense subject. And, and so the course has grown with my own sort of understanding and development and, and, and sort of digestion of how, how so many layers, there's so many layers to this and that mm. the physical is very much a reflection, a mirroring of the, Mm. of of the internal you know that inner outer like what's going on with the physical elements is very much like what's how does that speak to what's going on on a mm. psychological on an emotional yeah level. absolutely so for some for somebody who has um either fears about having a prolapse or or has been diagnosed or something and they hopefully will be getting the right kind of care maybe we'll stick some links underneath this um, conversation about where people can go what are the sort of um emotional breadcrumb trails that they might follow to try and unpick the psychological and emotional stuff mm. well i think first of all i would say get get support mm. Yeah, because if you if a woman's got an issue with her pelvis and she goes to the doctor, the, the reality is that your average doctor doesn't know much about the female pelvis. And actually also a gynecologist mm. probably won't know that much about the workings, the intricate workings of a female pelvis and the organs within. Mm. Um, wow. They won't. A lot of the time there are there are the um, so many women have told me about how surgeons have have said well let's just take take it all out right now if they've got um, maybe a cyst on one ovary they they make a suggestion that they whip it all out um with a a lack of um knowledge of of how each part of the female pelvis has very much uh, and it's very much an integral part of um, the health and well-being. And yes, a woman can does well can be very very well without it. But there are reasons why all of those parts are are mm. in there. Mm. Um, so yeah, get support. And and also, I would say your average. So this is the route I took. I went to the doctor. They they sent me to the physio, the women's physio, mm -hmm. and and actually I was talking to the. I ended up telling her stuff that that I don't think she knew about um, or hadn't explored. Mm -hmm. I think that is starting to change, but there's there the reality is that a lot of the knowledge on the pelvis comes from very old, seventeenth century. Um, diagrams of the pelvis which is um, a male pelvis there is uh, there is a lack of knowledge around the um, how a, a female pel pelvis should be held within posture and and, and not much um, not much thought to go into the the fascial ooh, the fascial web of um, the interconnective 
tissues of uh, and the what like the word that I would use is biotensegrity of how in actual fact say it again biotensegrity bloody hell I know I wouldn't I wouldn't even attempt a word like that I practiced check this out Kate the in actual fact our pelvic floor, which is actually not the pelvic floor, but the pelvic diaphragm, it's not supporting the organs because the organs, it's not like there's a shelf that the organs sit on because the organs are very beautifully spun in this web of connective tissue. You know, it's like, um, what's that word of, you know, when you get liquid that's got stuff in it that's held in it, Suspension. Hmm? Suspended. Sus yeah, suspended. <laughs> A bit like the um yeah, it's it's suspended in this in liquid and tissue, like a, a beautiful web. It's not like it's all there waiting for the uh, I, I think I think that, that that's really important to to know that because the general sort of idea about pelvic floors is that you've got you it's it's on the floor it's on the bottom and it's kind of weighed down like like me in a hammock like me lying in the hammock in the garden you can see, you can see yeah. when i'm in the hammock right and i'm not like that a little, no, little slit in that hammock and i'm just going to be whack on the grass but the, the the thing is is that this is where the word um where where it's really useful to think about language because um it's like the word prolapse. It's like the, the the way that they describe a prolapse of things falling out. Things don't fall out. They mm -hmm. get they get disrupted. Mm -hmm. They're um, they're, they get pull organs get pulled to one side and they they start to find it harder to operate mm -hmm. because there's tissues pulling. And the other thing that I found out recently, which is a, a for me was something I didn't know, I hadn't thought about, which is which is huge for the work that I do is that um, there's we all have scar tissue yeah mm -hmm. like if I cut my hand I'll get scar tissue and it will look a bit knobbly and it will might pull on my hand if I stretch my hand out but mm -hmm. the fact is is that we have scar tissue within us mm -hmm. which I knew about and I would associate it with um, when a woman's had an, an episiotomy or like um, if or um, maybe treatment for something. Like I've had one fallopian tube removed and I have, I know I've got adhesions around there. So that's scar tissue and I can feel it. Mm. I can feel it when I menstruate and things like that. But the fact is, is that if a woman has had a natural birth, meaning like the her babies come down through the vaginal canal, um, well, 90% of women who have a natural birth will have scar tissue. Whoa! Yeah. And the thing with scar tissue, obviously, is that it pulls things out. You know, it sort of makes things... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Can we go back a minute? So from a, I mean, a normal, there is no normal birth, clearly, but from, from, a, from a regular vaginal delivery, from a baby coming through, mm -hmm. that causes scar tissue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 90 percent space to go whoa 
I mean, that is extraordinary, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it, it's the it's very much around the tissues around the perineum, those tissues that have to, they have the, those tissues that have the most um, capacity to um, what they would say is uncurl and unfurl. So they open up and then they have this amazing capacity to go back in, yeah? So, and it, it's always about how our tissues have that capacity to open up and to go back in. And that's why, have you heard of that thing of like, you know, a really good thing to do before you give birth is get your partner or do it yourself to massage your perineum. Yeah. And that is to, to help those tissues. Um, but yeah, 90%. And that, I mean, now when I think about it, where if I think back to how my vulva felt post-birth, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> I had one of those inflatable donut seats for a bit. Uh, yeah, I had one too. I love that cushion. <laughs> yeah, my best friend. I used to walk around clutching it. Yeah. yeah. So if you so okay so so with most births, there's going to be some kind of scarring. Yeah. With births with more complications there's going to be more scarring yeah absolutely absolutely so if you then, add on i mean we all have wonky posture you know it, 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 also like if you think post-birth if you hold you maybe you've had two kids and you've you've held them on your left hip mm. yeah so that creates a pattern that's mm. the dynamic and then maybe you hold your handbag on your right shoulder and yeah. then you might do other things. Um, like, and I should say, like a normal person, because we all do absolutely. that. Absolutely. all asymmetrical. And, you know, every single person who has ever walked into any kind of um, chiropractor, body therapist, massage therapist, um, will have an asymmetrical hip. Of course. I mean, it, 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 we are asymmetrical. Yeah. You know, it's like that hilarious thing to do, which I, I always... Um, you know, say to uh, my clients, is like hold a mirror up to half your face, <laughs> and they see what you look like in a symmetrical way. It's hilarious. <laughs> Not <And> that fun. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of fun. That's what we'll be doing this Christmas at home. <laughs> but it's 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 a very good visual reminder of um, we weren't meant to be symmetrical. We weren't born symmetrical. Yeah, and that well, I, I would I would argue that yeah that it's, it's okay you know so okay so now we've we freaked everybody out because everybody <laughs> anybody who's given birth is going to be scarred and you're wonky anyway <laughs> and your face is funny your face and then the next thing is if you well, haven't had a child what the mirror in your hand you might as well have a look up. <laughs> Your vulva as well while you've got it yeah, there. Yeah, the people and see that's are three are gonna be just skipping around so bloody great. <laughs> anyway, so now we've freaked everybody out and pissed everybody else off. Mm. Um how, where do people go with this? Mm. With this extraordinarily beautiful concept, uh concept of suspended suspension and this unfurling of the pelvis. Yeah, so, but the you know. Where do they go? So first of all, to remember that your body does really, really well at supporting itself. You know, our bodies are always going towards healing. 
always. You know, we cut can a finger. Say that again? Okay. <laughs> Please, can you say that again, yeah, Jane? That thing about our bodies supporting ourselves. You could say it about five times. Yeah, but it, you know, and it's like if I cut my finger, it will start to heal. Mm. Nine times out of ten, it will start to heal. Um, so first of all, to remember that because there is, I, I, I know for myself when I felt like I was getting a prolapse, I felt there was a real desperation in that feeling of like something's not, I'm not right. Mm um in this very private part of oneself as well and unknown mm. yeah so our our body has this natural capacity to um to support itself mm. but like everything it can go out of balance just like um we can go off balance yeah like every time we take a step mm. we are slightly coming off balance and then we come back into balance we're mm. constantly doing that and um, there's all sorts of things that, that can pull us in one direction more than the other. And it's like that with the, our internal organs. Um, so it's really, really normal. And there's so much, so much that a woman can do. So first of all, just noticing what's, what are the sensations in her pelvis, in her vulva, inside the vaginal canal is there a contraction or is there a um a feeling or is there no feeling um a, there's there is that myth that um of having a loose pelvic floor loose muscles and in actual fact the majority of women have tight muscles but through that tightness that that those tight muscles create a weakness um because when we, if we go through stress, we tend to pull up, the body pulls up, yeah. So every time that we might experience a little teaspoon of stress, there mm. is a pulling. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, if, if one goes into a situation that one might not feel comfortable in or safe, again, mm. what happens? So what, what is, what's the issue like when women um are going through birth it's like it, it it's waiting for the dilation because the dilation happens when the woman feels safe and comfortable and then the um the cervix starts to relax and open mm. so we, we more have a tendency to contract and that will be in the tissues so first of all it's getting to know am i what how where what's happening with my tissues just in like I might know what my my bicep is my bicep completely offline <laughs> not doing anything or is it constantly um on alert mm. or is it actually being able to contract and relax mm. yeah so, so that's developing um awareness but do you do you also you you mentioned tummy when uh, tummy with it. <laughs> tummy with it. Now you're talking. I love a bit of country. Tummy, <laughs> that's the perfect music for your pelvis. Tummy Lynn Kent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, work is phenomenal. So self massage is is going to be helpful then to develop awareness and a sense of where where there is holding. And I what I would say to that is first of all, first of all, number one, just be with your pelvis and your vulva and your vagina, mm. just holding 
those parts of you in awareness mm -hmm. yeah because they're parts of the body that are generally ignored or shamed or kind of slightly colonized um they're not mentioned in most yoga classes or in a um body you know a sort of a uh, a body scan mm. um so just starting to bring awareness to those parts and and looking at your relationship with those parts like how comfortable are you with those about how comfortable are you actually touching yourself mm. before you start self-massage mm. just coming into good relationship and intimacy mm. because the uh, what might not be helpful is thinking oh self-massage will help bypassing the bit of creating a good connection relationship yeah. intimacy and just sticking your fingers up and thinking this might help and poking around yeah yeah and more, more you know this because you 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 um you're a body worker mm. so you don't just go in and think i need to help this i need to do something it's all about allowing that part of the body to feel safe mm. coming into relationship and that that is the body of the work that is the bread and butter of the work it's a bit like having a yoni egg mm. i've got my pot of yoni eggs oh. that have sat there for a long time yeah <laughs> in that it's about coming into that relationship before popping one up <laughs> yoni egg <laughs> you know because yeah. so that, that might take a very long time though because because of the layers of shame and we should also talk about um trauma sexual trauma yeah and trauma from birth and other medical um intrusions that, that, and that, um, that, that that must you know if you if you're well first first create a loving relationship well uh, you know 20 years later well, it's it's, it's, it's oh. i i talk about bo bodily based consent yeah mm. So first of all, knowing when your body is saying yes and knowing when your body says no. So um, actually knowing when you're, you're, the tissues of your vulva, your vagina are saying yes mm. and when they're saying no to touch. Mm. Um, so when they're, when they're saying yes, that would be a very specific sensation to when they're saying no. Mm. And that's why I brought up the um, the yoni egg because um, the what might not be so helpful is to think right. I've read that a yoni egg can help my um, the awareness of my um, of my internal tissues of my vagina, uh, or it might help um, sensation or muscle um, the dynamics of the muscle. So I'm just going to put one in and see if it works. Mm -hmm. So there's no there's no relationship, there's no intimacy, there's no consent. And, and this, the, the pelvis is a part of a woman's body where a lot of the time consent is violated. Mm. A lot of the time through, um, through medical procedures, through, um, through when you've had a general anesthetic, like you might think, yeah, I'm, I want this, it's happening, but the, it, there's still, uh, there is still maybe not the consent. I mean, the last time I went for a smear test, I I did a bit of work around kind of having a conversation with my pelvis of like, this is what we're going to do. 
and and I actually said it out loud to the nurse that um okay I'm we're ready for you because mm. <laughs> that that meant a, a big deal for mm. me mm. so when you're you go to your average doctor and you're told to do kegels mm. everything that you've said what well, the, the probably what will happen is there'll be some sort of physical examination involving poking and then they'll say do some kegels like this well hang on to your pee there's pelvic floor contractions so what you're so the average treatment for um stress incontinence and potential prolapse is the opposite of what you're suggesting i mean i, I just want to be very clear that what you're suggesting is the opposite of mainstream medical advice. Absolutely, absolutely. That's not to say that there's a place for Kegels, but um, first of all, uh, oh, it is wise for a woman to know what is going on with those tissues and to come into relationship and to, um, and to have the capacity to know when the the pelvic diaphragm is contracting and know when the pelvic diaphragm is expanding mm. and to really be um aware of how it feels when when those tissues are relaxed mm. and to be able to relax those and, and then to work out is where is the tension? Is it in the right side? Is it in the left side? Am I, am I is there more sensation um, towards the back or towards the front? Mm. Um, and, and also to work out um, through the rest of the body, you know, what are my feet doing? What are my hips doing? How mm. does this work out with my shoulder girdle? So it's, it's, I, I bring into my work um, natural movement, functional movement, um, bringing all the different um, diaphragms of the body to work together. So um, diaphragm in the in the um, in the feet, obviously pelvic diaphragm, breathing diaphragm, and we have one in the throat. So it never is that helpful to isolate mm. a part yeah. of ourselves it's part of the whole sort of and sort of poke it <laughs> it's not helpful <laughs> how does this feel pokey yeah that's like you know like when you hear about classes of like hip openers there's so much more yeah very damaging hips don't open mm -hmm. yeah so tell me about how breath operates within the pelvic diaphragm and the general vitality of the pelvic organ. The breath. Mm -hmm. So the, the, our breathing diaphragm is in relationship with our pelvic diaphragm mm -hmm. and they move ideally in synchronized movement. So when we breathe in, breath diaphragm moves down, pelvic diaphragm moves down and expands. Mm -hmm. And when we breathe out, 
breath diaphragm moves up and pelvic diaphragm moves back up. So, and that those feelings will be a very slight expansion and a slight contraction around the perineum, around the vulva, or you might feel it more up. So everyone feels it different and it might, you might not feel anything because it might, it, it, it's like, if you don't think about something, if there's a part of your body that you don't think about, it's not going to be online. Mm. It's not going to be that well mapped in the brain. So yeah. the, the parts of our body that are super, super well mapped in our brain are feet, hands and lips mm. are the ones that, I, that come to mind at first because we use them so much. If I don't ever think about my vagina, my vulva, my my womb, my ovaries, then those little parts of um, neural synapses or, or little neural pathways are not going to be fully sparkling out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it sounds like there's a sort of massaging that goes on with the breath as well. That yeah. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, the way you describe the the um, you know, I, I have to be hard I know that you'll 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 know this, but the breath is like the most powerful thing that we can work with. You know, mm. I, you know, the breath. If we don't breathe, we die. <laughs> and it's <laughs> breath. The breath is the the most potent mm. nutrition we can take into our body. And it does, you know, like when we, it, it, it's massaging the heart above, it's massaging um, all the organs below. And we can, there's really lovely practices of breathing into the pelvis, breathing into the womb, into, into the ovaries and, and, and really starting to um, enliven those tissues and getting the, the blood flow going because the pelvis is a part where potentially there is a lot of stagnation because we spend a lot of time sitting and um, possibly not moving the pelvis in, in the way that she can move. Like there's so much sway and oscillation that is available mm -hmm. to the pelvis. So it's, you know, if you think about sort of, if you also like, if there's a cultural layer to this, mm -hmm. so how does, uh, um, how do we walk in our bodies as English people? I know this is generalizing, but it is, it is, there's an interesting cultural layer compared to maybe if you see a Brazilian woman or a Cuban woman, there, there is a, a different type of movement or someone who um, goes salsa dancing or, or someone who um, is a belly dancer. There will be a different, um, different patterns of movement because that's their practices that will be coming out in their everyday movement which goes back to our other yeah conversation. conversation so what i'm hearing from you is that if there is some sort of fear or possibility of prolapse then building sensation and awareness is the first thing mm. building a loving and compassionate relationship with your downstairs department more and bringing the breath into play yeah and 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 then looking at the things that can be helpful like um something like toileting habits 
what kind of clothes am I wearing? If I'm wearing tight belts, that will be restricting my breathing mm -hmm. and it will be pushing down onto my pelvic diaphragm. Mm -hmm. um, if, I'm, if, if a woman is susceptible to a prolapse and wears high heels, that's um, gonna make it worse. Mm -hmm. Sorry for all those who like tottering down the road in high heels, that is, it's not gonna help. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of other things that you can do around it and looking looking at your daily posture mm. getting becoming familiar with your tail and moving through your tail what sort of tail have you got jane mm, well it changes what today, tail are you wearing today today kate <laughs> i have a big bushy squirrel tail oh mm. very nice Hmm. Mine's a bit like a sad Jack Russell. <laughs> it's making me think. I saw this. I saw. <laughs> no, I, I, I am really. I, I think a lot about tails because um, it's a part of us that we um, don't really utilize, and it's a very useful part to move from. So I love looking at dogs' tails. <laughs> we love. Recently, I've seen dogs and their tails, when they wag them, they don't go up and down. They go round in circles. <laughs> and I have thought about that then when I come to do my practice. Yes. <laughs> a tail, a tail is a wonderful thing. You know, like in, in a lot of my um, movement sessions and workshops and courses, I, I, the tail is a big part of it. And, and it, it's wonderful bringing it into a woman's awareness of like a tail it really I see them get so much pleasure from moving yeah it's, 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 it's innately joyful it's innately joyful like Even a dog with monkey jack russell tail it's yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah and there's something very also um it's playful it's fun and there's something quite sensual about it as well mm. like coming it's a way that one can explore sort of sensuality through that 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 movement mm. or explore one's relationship with sensuality. So Jane, thank you so much. It has been so juicy talking about all this inside juice that we have in this. I mean, it's only a tiny little chunk of body, but bloody hell, there's a lot going on in there. It's, it's like the... Um, it's as it's as busy. It's a busy part of us. What's mm -hmm. you know? It's kind of making me think of what um, East Croydon's like as a station, <laughs> the busiest station. Not right now, though, unfortunately. <laughs> it's the East Croydon of train stations. I happen to know because I have train nerds in my family that um, Waterloo is the busiest station. Oh, okay. That would go, that goes better with pelvis as well. Funnier. <laughs> I was, yeah. actually, it's probably Clapham. <laughs> or not, or Lewis. <laughs> Stop it. We could run with that, <laughs> but we won't. No, that would be cruel to people. <laughs> so what is your tippiest tippy top tip? 
please for a delicious inside life and that could be about pelvic health or just inside world in general what works for you actually what do you do regularly to slow down and become curious mm. and I use I like the word curious because if I'm curious I'm less likely to be criticizing or judging mm. it's a quality that is a more expansive and things can arise mm. and playfulness mm. yeah and to be curious down, the slowing down is where is how we work out what's going on for ourselves mm. and to be curious requires compassion first because if you're sort of full of judgment and shame there's no space to go yeah 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 what is happening then because the desire to shut it down is so yeah and to remember that the, our our pelvis is a, a is a potential huge powerful potential resource for mm. ourselves mm. on so many different le levels well I thought the jokes about the stations really added something. <laughs> but luckily, to get the lowdown on Jane's brilliant workshops and classes, you can find out more at Jane Dancy, that's J-A-N-E-D-A-N-C-E-Y dot com. I'd love to hear your response to the issues we discussed in the conversation. It's so important that we have access to this information. And you can message me on Instagram at Kate underscore Codrington and I'd love to hear from you about how you're improving your relationship with your pelvis and your inside life so if you've enjoyed life and inside job please subscribe and share it with your friends tell them about it there are loads more juicy chats and top tips for a tip-top inside life coming very soon